All right, good evening, everybody. Tonight we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 13. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. This Sunday at 7.30, we're having our candlelight service, and we're going to have people that are interested and are planning to attend. If, you're, if you'd like to, we'd like you to read um, like a few verses. Um, we're going to break it up into several sections and then have two microphones and have people come up and read. So um, I didn't want to, you know, if you don't want to do it, you don't have, obviously you don't have to, but if you let me know and, and uh, shoot me an email or even talk to me afterwards here, um, love to get you on the list. I think it's, it's, it, it's neat when, when we do that. We've done it a couple of years now with just two people, but I thought the more the merrier. So, um, and then we'll give you a few verses just to read and you get to sit right back down and it'll be pretty dark. No one will be watching you, really. Um, they'll just be listening. So if you're interested in that, let me know. Uh, that'll be this Sunday if you plan on coming to the candlelight service. And then also Christmas morning or uh, Christmas Eve morning, um, the second service, the kids will be singing. And so you're welcome to join us for that, too, in case you didn't know about that. Um, also, we have caroling this Saturday. Um, it was a good night, uh, Tuesday night. Uh, last night, it was fun. And then uh, this Saturday, we'll do two more nursing homes, so... Join us for that too. All right. Okay. First Corinthians. Um, Paul right into this wonderful church. <laughs> they are just don't know. Just they just don't know. Um, there's there's a lot of ignorance here, and so you know Paul's straightening it out. And um, um, even if they've been told before, he's patient to teach them again. He says a couple times in these two letters to the Corinthians that he's their spiritual father. They may not think so. Um, but he knows so, and um, that's encouraging as a dad. Not that my kids have ever said they've never disowned me yet, um, but they haven't, and, and, uh, and sometimes you do have to remind them, and you do have to say the same thing over and over again and, and say, haven't we been down this road again, you know, before, and you remind them, and this letter teaches us you need to be firm, hold your ground as a parent, um, but also have mercy and grace, and uh, patience with uh, the kids. And so because of this, Paul, because he has that heart for them and is helping them along and understanding their faith and their walk with Jesus, which is all new to them, um, we do have 2 Corinthians, which is the, the fruit of this 1 Corinthians letter. They actually do, and they listen, and they learn, and they do better. And um, So it's neat to see that uh, patience with these folks. So verse 1 of chapter 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, you'll notice the word gifts there is italicized. And as a teacher, I have to tell you this, it's not in the original text. And so it's actually concerning spirituals is what it reads in the Greek. Um, that doesn't say gifts. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're not a gift. It doesn't mean that they're not from God, but it does mean um, that it's, it, it, sometimes it doesn't help clarify when you add that italicized word. Concerning the spirituals, it is a spiritual walk with Jesus. And I think, you know, even today, more so now probably than back then. It's a spiritual walk with God. We need to remember that. It's not a physical. It's not a, a program. It's not a, um, it, it's not a philosophy. It, it is a spiritual walk. And so considering these spirituals, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Ignorant is without knowledge. We, we use it <laughs> differently. We use it as a derogatory term towards someone. You know, what are you, ignorant or something? Honestly, I'm ignorant about a lot of things. We all are. I don't know about rocket science. Um, I don't know a lot about a lot of things. Um, and so I'm ignorant on these things, but I, I like to learn, you know? 
And so Paul simply says, I, 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 as a parent, as a spiritual parent, I don't want you to be ignorant about these spiritual things. And I don't want my kids to be ignorant about spiritual things either. I, I don't want them to remember church as, as a, a Sunday morning 11 o'clock and a Wednesday evening 7 o'clock. And maybe some special events in between as an attendance situation um, or program or something. I, I want them to know about the spiritual things. It's a real... It's a real walk with a real God who's really listening, um, who you can really talk to, who really gives you supernatural abilities to do things that you couldn't do without him, um, that he can actually move and work through you and through your hands and eyes and mouth, through your thoughts. He can speak to you. This really happens. And I know you know that I'm preaching to the choir, but I think like Paul is reminding the Corinthians, because they're obviously working and moving in the gifts, he wants them not to be ignorant of them. We can, we can know about them. We can memorize them. We can do coloring book pages about them. But are we walking in them? Is it an everyday thing for us? You know, is a gift of knowledge something that comes to us or that we wait on, that we ask for? Is there a gift of wisdom that's the application of that knowledge in, a, in, a, in, a, in the right way? It brings is wisdom, um, miracles, and so on. We're going to read about these gifts. Or... Have we gotten so accustomed to kind of handling things on our own that we don't even think about those things anymore? Jesus is a salvation card that I have. That's uh, the words I've expressed. Um, I, I do read his word. I do love his word because I'm supposed to. Um, but we don't walk day to day in anticipation, in expectation of God actually speaking through us or using us in supernatural ways. Um, and so he says that. I don't want you to be ignorant, and, not, and neither do I as a pastor want you to be ignorant. I don't want my kids to be ignorant in my home. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. They had in the past, as Gentiles, been carried away by these dumb idols or mute idols. They, they weren't able to speak, obviously made of wood and stone. There was nothing to them. It was just an image, a thing. Um, it, it doesn't matter what it looked like. It, it had no power. It had no life. And so you were carried away by these things, however you were led. Um, it obviously didn't draw you, but you were drawn to it. For some reason, you went to these dumb idols. The understanding here is don't, don't make Jesus a dumb idol in your life. I'll let that sit for a little bit. I don't think anybody would ever purposely say that out loud. I'm going to make Jesus a dumb idol in my life, but he can become one when we don't wait for him to speak, when we don't think he has life, when we don't expect a relationship and a back and forth with him. Um, we can make Jesus a dumb idol. And, and I think we come up, we, we come up that, or we, that happens in our life from two things. First of all, we don't think he has a desire to actually help us. He's not interested in these small matters, and so we don't bother him with these small matters, and so we just don't talk. There's no desire there. Or we don't think he has a right to. He doesn't have any right to lead me in any way, or he doesn't have a desire to lead me. And, and we make Jesus into this dumb idol um, that honestly we're probably a little, bit, a little more comfortable with. If he doesn't say anything, I can just kind of go on with what I'm doing on autopilot here. I don't have to ask. I don't have to worry about things changing. You know, Literally, God forbid, things should change in my life. I like things 
status quo. But when you open yourself up and honestly ask God to do whatever he wants to do in your life, to lead you wherever he wants to lead you, to do with you whatever he wants to do with you, you've opened yourself up to a whole bunch of stuff that may be uncomfortable for you, but will be amazing when followed through on, when obeyed, when he actually does it. And so Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of these spirituals. I don't want you to have this relationship with Christ like you had that relationship as Gentiles with those dumb idols, because he's not one. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Sort of a trinity there. You've got the spirit, the Lord, and you've got God. There's diversities, and there's differences in diversities. Those are the three words he uses to describe the three activities of these three separate but one God, Spirit, Lord, and God. Um, There's different gifts, ministries, and activities. Here's what he doesn't say. Be careful how you read that. He doesn't say there's different beliefs. Because some people can say, hey, 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 it's all different. It's the same Holy Spirit, but we're all going in the same direction. No, no, no. This starts with a baseline. Please understand that. When Paul writes to the Corinthian church, we're starting with the baseline that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by him, and that is to the exclusion of all others. That's where we start with this. So that letter is based upon that understanding that everybody who's reading this understands that about Jesus. There is no other way to get to heaven except through him. Now, now in that, under him, with his authority, there are diversities. There are differences and there are diversities. There are uh, gifts, there are ministries, and there are activities all under that same understanding, though, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Some people read these verses, and even in the Christian faith, believe that, well, that means that everything's working all together for good, um, and everybody's genuine heart, um, whether that's Buddhism or anything else, is going to be, it's all going to work out. It's universal salvation, basically. They believe in universal salvation. Um, Be careful of that. Paul is not insinuating that at all in this text. He's trying to get the body of Christ here to understand the spiritual gifts given to them, and that one is not better than the other, and that they're all to be used together in unity, but the unity of the Holy Spirit, unity isn't just agreement. Unity is in the Holy Spirit. When they're all used together, it works great. And so he's trying to tone down those who think this gift is better than the other, that's caused divisions in the church. So remember, that's what he's trying to do, bring them back together again. So there's diversities um, by the Spirit. There's differences um, uh, by God, by the Lord. And there's uh, diversities, again, in activities by God. There's, these are all working together in all. But the manifestation, he says, of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues or languages. To another, the interpretation of those languages. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Okay? When the Lord is effective and working in the body of Christ. You can put that first picture up 
Um, that's what it looks like. That's the idea behind it. You have one light coming through, but through the prism, it breaks off into all these different things. But if you go in reverse, it turns out to be a great representation of God. God being the white light, we being the, the, the multicolors. You know, you're green, you're blue, you're red, you're orange, whatever. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and that's the idea. And I, I love the, the fact that God is light. And then when they diffuse him, <laughs> uh, he turns into all these, you know, colors in the body of Christ. But they're all... They're all amazing. Here, here's the thing. This is one of the things I learned in science. When I, when I was paying attention to science, um, I learned, and, I, and I, you guys all know this too, I'm sure, but that everything I see, that the chairs are, we, we, we would call them brown, but they're not. They're everything but brown, right? The only reason we say they're brown is because that's the only color that it's reflecting. It's absorbing all the other colors, so that's what it is, but it's actually It's everything but brown, and brown is bouncing off of that to me. And God is like that with us, with the gifts of the Spirit. As he shines into me, I absorb everything I can from him, but my gift is that which bounces off onto other people. That's what they see. That's what they notice. That's what they recognize. That's what you're good at. Well, you you have the gift of hospitality. How do you know I have the gift of hospitality? Because I I just see that coming from you. That's just how it is. That's what bounces off. I'm, I'm making more of this metaphor than I probably need to, but that's basically what he said. Remember, these gifts, Corinthians, aren't for you. The gifts aren't a badge. They're not a t-shirt that you wear. I'm the prophet. Um, I'm the miracle worker. I'm the, I'm the gift of helps. You know, No, it's for everybody else. That's what the gifts are for. If you have the gift in the Holy Spirit, it isn't for boasting purposes. It's for use to help everybody out. Okay? Um, and, and so he, he goes through this list. Um, he, 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 he gives to each one as he wills. In other words, I, I don't get to ask for these things. I, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I can't ask for them. There's nothing wrong with asking for the gifts of the Spirit. I think you should. But I, I don't get to demand. Maybe that's a better way to put it. I want the gift of tongues. You can stomp your foot all you want. You may not get it. It may not be for you. Um, I want to give you the gift of knowledge instead Um, because that's what I need the body to have right now. I need a well-functioning body that's doing all of these things, not just, and he's going to elaborate on that in a minute, not one big eyeball, not one big knowledge person. You know, I want want diversity so it all functions like it's supposed to. And so um, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, he says. And it's given by God, he says, at the end of that. So this section's interesting. I, he starts off with the Holy Spirit, um, manifesting himself in us through these different gifts. Um, and he ends with, and it's as he wills. So I'm, I'm really just an, an open vessel. That's all I am. I'm meant to be filled with whatever he has for me. And, and it isn't permanent, I don't think. Um, some people like to identify themselves, and they even have surveys now that you can fill out to find out what your spiritual gift is. I, I, I don't see that happening, but they, they do. Fill out this survey, and by the time you're done, it'll identify what your spiritual gifts are. What your, what your, maybe. But I don't think that's, I think the danger of that, a survey like that, um, although it could help you maybe recognize, you know, I do do that. I shake hands with everybody. You know, Maybe. It could help you in that. I, I guess I do have this gift of hospitality. I just love people. I love them over at my house. Um, maybe. But it doesn't mean he doesn't want to do something different with you once in a while, too. The Holy Spirit um, really doesn't get pigeonholed. 
doesn't get put into a box in my life. If the gift of healings is what's needed at that time, and I'm really an empty, open vessel, and I'm willing to let him do whatever he wants, and I have enough faith to say, yeah, I think he really wants me to heal you right now, so I'm going to pray for you, and God's going to heal you through me, I guess, through this gift, and I'm going to do this. But it doesn't mean I get to set up a ministry and line people up that are sick, and it's just going to be like a factory of healing. It doesn't always happen that way. Paul's a great example. Paul could heal some people by his apron. That was his work cloth that got sweat on it, and they would take it, and someone would touch it and get healed. That's amazing. But then other times, he says, I left, I left them sick at Miletus. I tried to heal them. I prayed for them. I, he prayed for himself to get healed three different times, and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. So he couldn't even heal himself. The Holy Spirit's very um, independent, <laughs> Um, and he works through us if we let him to, allow him to. And so anyway, some of these gifts that he mentions, honestly, Paul isn't trying to teach us what the gifts are, although this is what we use this text to do. Now, here's the list of all the gifts, and we take our notes, and we write them all down. Honestly, if you never read this chapter, and you just knew about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and left yourself open to whatever he wanted to do, you would still operate in all of these things without knowing what they are. This is Paul trying to teach them, look, Everybody's got different gifts, and they're all okay, and they're all equal. Wisdom, and he starts naming them off. But it wasn't for us to say, okay, so there's 12, there's 10, there's 8, there's 9 gifts. What about this chapter? You know, that's head knowledge, um, and maybe that helps you um, understand why it is that when I was doing that one thing, I automatically knew how to do it. That must have been the Lord. That must have been a word of knowledge. Maybe that helps you understand it. But whether you knew how to identify it or label it, you still did it. Does that make sense? Am I, I hope I'm being clear. Because I want us to be really free-flowing, spirit-filled Christians out there, open to whatever he wants to do. So when I walk up to a situation, I just simply cry out like Nehemiah, God help, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm your vessel to be used at this moment, at this time. Whatever you need, here I am. Think of Philip, who's a great evangelist, who could minister to the masses or serve tables if it was necessary, which is how he started, or he could be by himself and do one-on-one evangelism with some bigwig, you know, in the chariot. Interesting. So here are some of the gifts so that you know what they are, so that you're not surprised when it happens to you, or so that you don't take credit. (laughs) Sometimes we can do that if we don't know. Um, There's a word of knowledge. I described that pretty well. It's where God gives you information that you haven't been told. It doesn't mean you necessarily have to do anything with that. I have a word of knowledge that, you know, so-and-so is addicted to whatever. It doesn't mean you get to be the blabbermouth about that. It just means maybe you're supposed to pray for that person in that area. He's given you knowledge so you know why they're acting like they're acting or doing what they're doing, and you can pray for them in that way. Sometimes it is to come forward and do something about it uh, openly, but a lot of times it's not. But it's the Spirit that gives that knowledge. You didn't learn it. You didn't have an intuition. You actually learned something specific about a situation or a person. Another is faith. There's a gift of faith. Everybody's been given a measure of faith, but some people have the gift of faith. They're just, wow, really? You're going to go do that? I don't think I could ever do that. Well, if God had called you to do that, he'd probably equip you with all the faith you need to do that. But since you haven't been called to do that, what you think is crazy thing, You haven't been given the faith to do that because that's not what you need for your ministry. Um, 
you need this. You need steadfastness. You need to be a rock because I'm never ever going to move you from that one town that you grew up in, you know. Whereas the other kid who grew up in that town has to go clear over here, but he needs faith to do that because he's never done anything like that before. God equips them for whatever he's called them to do, okay? So it's a gift of faith by the same spirit, a gift of healings, gifts of healings, he describes it, different kinds of gifts and different kinds of healings. That isn't all the time. It could be. Maybe that's just sometimes, you know? Um, I've had one or two people maybe get healed when I've prayed for them, but when, when Jenny prays for people to get healed, they do most of the time, 90% of the time they do. So, but I wouldn't say that it's, you know, an automatic thing. She, she never says, just come unto me, all you who are, you know, she doesn't say that. Um, but if asked, um, she'll pray, and, um, you know, I stay out of the way. <laughs> I don't even get around her because I'm like, I, I might mess it up. I don't know. So I steer clear. Um, um, anyway, that's one person I know of anyway. I'm sure you guys know of other people also, but that's something I've seen, and I recognize that. Um, but she also has a word of knowledge and word of wisdom and, and things like that. So um, she operates in a lot of those gifts. Um, to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. Um, that can be a lot of things. That could actually not just be a healing of a broken arm. That could be the growth of a new arm kind of thing, or a new leg, or um, completely, wow, that's, that doesn't happen. Five loaves, two fish, miracle kind of stuff. Days um, longer uh, because the sun stops. You know, that's miracles, things like that. Um, to another prophecy, um, n- not adding to the Word of God, not like saying, okay, this is Revelation Part 2, God's given me a prophecy, more day-to-day kind of things. Like Philip had uh, four daughters that prophesied. Um, that was... Uh, I can't give you a great example of that off, offhand, um, but more day-to-day stuff, not, not like end times kind of thing. He, he, God's done with his revelation. That revelation of Jesus Christ is the end of God's prophecies for the plan anyway, but you could go day-to-day and have different kind of prophecies. And so those are, those are still in effect for today. All of these are that I've read so far. Um, some are scared of them. Some don't think they are, but the Bible never teaches us that these don't happen anymore. They do. Um, we're just maybe out of practice. Or we don't use them as much. Um, but they're, they're there, and they're for us. Um, so if you have the faith, ask. Say, God, I want to be used in any way you want me to be used, and, and you'll start seeing these things pop up. Um, so the working of miracles. To another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. Um, that's an interesting one. Um, some say that that's the discernment of, I don't think that's of God, I think that is of God. Maybe. Um, it could be that. Um, other times it can just be the gift of discernment. Um, you can tell that that person's not being genuine or whatever. Um, whatever. Everything okay? Oh, okay. There's like five guys left. It's like, you don't have to believe in the gifts of the Spirit. You can come back. It's not about a salvation thing, I guess. Okay, so discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, languages. Um, you can have that gift. Um, I didn't have to study German. I just started speaking it, maybe. Um, it just happens. Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a miraculous work. It, it can be, um, I didn't know how to pray. Now, some um, Pentecostal teachers will make the distinction between speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit. Some do. Some believe that every... Uh, and this is where some denominations believe that everybody has the gift of praying in the Spirit, tongues. Uh, 
and they identify it that way. Every, every Christian, if you're a born-again believer, if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, will pray in, in the Spirit. I, I don't believe that. Calvary Chapel doesn't teach that. Um, we believe that um, some have the gift of tongues and some don't. Um, just like this says, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. Some have the gift of tongues. It doesn't make a distinction here about praying in the Spirit or, or whatever. So, but other denominations do. And, and the problem with that, um, in my opinion, is it causes a lot of fake um, praying in the Spirit or, or speaking in tongues. It causes a lot of fake. Because um, if you don't pray in the Spirit, there's a lot of raised eyebrows at your church about you. Um, and, and maybe you're not as saved as we think you are, or maybe you're not saved at all or filled with the Spirit at all. It's a, it's a, funny, it's a funny thing to believe that that's automatic because the Bible doesn't teach that, but um, they add to it. And, and I think that's what the Corinthian church is kind of being taught here. Don't get so excited about one of the gifts thinking that it's more important than all the other gifts because then what that does is elevate you spiritually and all of a sudden you've got a pecking order at church where the tongue speakers Oh, you don't speak in tongues. Mm. Do you at least interpret? You don't interpret. All you do is miracles. I mean, you know, really? Growing a leg back? I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, but there was something going on there where uh, they thought this was better than the other. And, and you can see that happen in churches um, where one gift is more important than the other. Um, and, and they're not. Uh, they're, they're all equal. Um, they're all important. The body of Christ functions. Some of them are for inside of like a fellowship like this. Some are, most of them are for outside. Most of them are for outside the walls. You know, um, We come together at a location to worship in song and then worship in studying of God's Word. So the gift of teaching is very prevalent in most churches, but outside of the walls of those churches, that's when all the other gifts are really being used. You never really see them coming together in a group, in a huddle, and saying, now, now you shoot off your sparkler, and you shoot off your sparkler, and you shoot off your sparkler. You know, Well, that's great. We've all sparkled for each other, but none of the world has seen it or had the benefits of that. You, know? um, you may have a prayer request or something, and someone may have a word of knowledge for you, saying, you know, I really believe God um, speaking to me this verse. I want to share that with you right now. Oh, that's awesome. That's exactly what I was praying, you know that can work that way in the body of Christ, but um, all of the gifts are equal is, is what he's getting at here. He, he doesn't want that division. Um, anyway, another different kind of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. He actually says that if you're going to speak in tongues, and we're going to read that in 14 next week, or yeah, next week, um, when you do tongues, make sure there's an interpretation, otherwise be quiet. I don't want you talking. I don't want you speaking in tongues because nobody can understand or say Amen. So there needs to be an interpretation. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So one to each person. He'll say that. Verse 12. Now, as, as for the body, uh, or for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, uh, are one body, so also is Christ. In other words, the body of Christ is the body of Christ. It's just like him. Just as Christ is one, but did lots of different things, so are we. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. It's the Spirit that drew us, right? That's how we came to Christ. But then we also know from John the Baptist that it's Jesus that baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, two separate things. Um, the Spirit draws us to salvation, but from that salvation, Jesus Christ baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Um, 
And so we've all been baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole, if the whole uh, were hearing, where would, the, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? And of course, um, that's the case. That, I believe, what we just read is the effect of the next section. The next section that we're about to read is the cause. Um, the effect is you feel bad about whatever God's called you to be or to do in the gifts, the supernatural gifts, and you don't feel welcome to use those gifts around other people um, because you're not like they are, basically. Um, and, and what Paul's trying to teach the Corinthian church is quit looking at each other like that and just use the gift God has given you, and it really works well. You know, um, the eye can't criticize the ear. The ear shouldn't be criticizing the eye. The mouth can't criticize the nose and, and vice versa. Um, just, just walk, you know, just do. Um, and, and don't worry about what people aren't doing. You do what you're supposed to do. And we'll see that in chapter 13, especially tonight. Now that's the effect. Here's the cause. But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I believe what Paul read earlier in these verses 12 through 19, people feel that way about their gift because of people saying to them, um, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Uh, no, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schisms in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Because the world wants us to be in competition constantly, um, that's how the world works. It carries over into the church a lot of times with competition. Um, this is a far superior gift, obviously, people would say. Um, and that's just not the case. And Paul wants to make sure they stop doing that to each other because it's causing division. And it causes the body to not be coordinated and function like it's supposed to. It's embarrassing. It looks funny. The world sees it. The church can't a lot of times. Um, I was trying to think of an example. There have been times when I've been limping and someone said, why are you limping? I said, I'm not limping. And I'd argue with them about that. Well, you're obviously limping, I can tell. And I had been favoring one leg over the other. And I didn't realize it. Just gotten so used to it that I'd been favoring it. And it looked funny until someone called me on it. You, know, you look kind of funny when you walk. Well, shut up. You know, I don't look funny. You do. You look funny. You're gimping around there. What's wrong with you? What happened to your leg? Nothing happened to my leg. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, that did happen when I was teaching the girls soccer, coaching soccer. I kicked the ball, and I, I think I broke my big toe that day. It really hurt, you know. Sympathy. I need some really hurt, but I didn't do anything about it. I, what do you do for a toe? They just tape it to the next one. I'm saying, well, try not to walk on it. 
Well, it's feet. What do you, of course you got to walk on it. So you go on with life, but now I can't raise my big toe up. It stays flat. And so when I kind of walk or run, there's kind of a funny little gimp in my, is that, what do they call it, a hitch in my giddy-up or whatever? I don't know. And so I look funny. I don't function like I do because my body's not functioning like it's supposed to. Um, it doesn't work like it is. And the body of Christ can look like that sometimes. When one part of the body's been damaged so um, irreparably that you look gimpy, church. And it's recognized, and sometimes the church gets called on it. Um, not much we can do about it except make sure that body part gets taken care of. Okay, we got the idea. So, you cannot say, Paul says, to the hand that I have no need of you. Don't say that anymore to the people in your church that want to do this, that, or the other thing. Just say, no, go, just do it. You can't say that they're less. Um, just go function like a body, like you're supposed to. Um, so rejoice with it. It's exciting. Um, um, anyway, verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and the members individually, and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles? These are rhetorical questions. The answer is no. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. They don't. <laughs> Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. In other words, you, you don't all have these great gifts. There's actually an order. He, he lays them out for them. Um, no one probably would have mentioned miracles being below uh, teacher or below apostle or below prophet. Miracles is pretty cool. It's what we come to church for. We want to see these miracles take place. The greatest prophet that ever walked the face of the earth never did a miracle. John the Baptist. He never did one miracle. And he was the greatest prophet that ever lived, greatest man born of women, obviously besides Jesus. And that was, Jesus said that, you know. Miracles are, are, I don't know what his gift was. His gift was to make everybody feel like they needed Jesus is what his gift was, you know. That's a good gift. Um, to the point where they would still come to him, though, and they didn't run from him. Now, I don't know how you do that, wearing, you know, camel hair and eating wild bugs and honey and yelling at people, calling them brood of vipers, mainly the, you know, the religious hierarchy. But he would speak in such a way that people knew they were broken, but they'd come to him to get fixed. Now, that's a gift. That's a gift. I can offend a lot of people with the name of Jesus. I'm very good at it. I could do a really good job making everybody just want to get away. But to be able to tell people about Jesus in such a way that they're broken and they know they need him, and then to come and receive him as the Lord and Savior, that's, that's a gift. And so John had that gift. That's, a, that's an amazing gift. But miracles was secondary. You know, it's way down on the list. Um, we need the gift of miracles, but it doesn't have much to do with salvation. You remember the guy at the pool of Bethesda who got healed? Um, that was fine and all. And I'm glad he got healed and was able to walk. But Jesus was very much concerned with his eternity after that. He wanted to make sure that he walked with God, that he was, that he was repentant, that he, you know, to go and sin no more. 
kind of thing, unless a worse thing come upon you kind of thing. Um, he was very concerned about his eternity. And so um, I think whatever, whatever works for people to get saved um, is very, very important. Everything else is it's beautiful and, and effective and for the body of Christ, for sure, for each other, um, um, and necessary and, and great for our walk with the Lord. But um, it's not the order we necessarily would have thought it would be, you know. Um, and so he writes that down. But and he ends this in verse 31, and yet I, I earnestly desire the best gifts. I want you to desire the best gifts. You can, you, you can ask for them. You, do, you can't demand them, but you can earnestly desire them. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Um, this next chapter is the love chapter, and I know it's already been taught. But I'm going to do it again um, because it goes with 12. It really wasn't ever meant to stand alone. It was meant to be the follow-up. The, the number 13 there in your Bible isn't in the original text. You want to italicize something, italicize all the numbers. He is just writing a letter, and he moves right on into this. I'm showing you a more excellent way, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, um, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And before we go any further, I wanted to focus on something here. When you go through this list, when this is taught, most of the time you talk about the tongues or you talk about the love. But do you know what word is used eight different times in that three verses? I. I. Paul isn't saying, though we speak with tongues of men, he's not challenging the church. He's challenging the person. Each person is responsible for this list. The church isn't responsible. Yeah, church, read that 13 about love and get your act together. The church can't get its act together if the eyes don't get their act together. We're a body. We're individuals. I have to have love or everything I do is worthless. You have to have love, or everything you do is worthless. And 50% of us have love, and 50% don't. 50% of what this body of Christ does is worthless. It's I. That's the most important part of this. I, um, well, we'll get to it in a minute. Though I speak with tongues, whatever my gift is, whatever your gift is, though I'm able to function and actually have a supernatural ability, if I don't have love, it has no value. It, the gift, is meant to show God's love. That's all it's for. The gifts of the Spirit are different from the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The gifts show the fruit. If you don't have the fruit, the gifts are worthless. There's no point to doing it. Look at me, I can speak in German. Yeah, but what are you saying? Who cares? You know, I don't know how you can speak in love in German anyway. It's kind of a rough language. <laughs> it's rough, man. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, I have the gift of languages, but I don't have love. I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Way to go. And though I have the gift of prophecy, in other words, I can tell you your future. I can tell you what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen around the corner. God's given me insight. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. That's a lot of all. And though I have all faith, it means you can move mountains if you wanted to, but I don't have love. Um, 
I'm nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It's of no value. God is love. Um, if, if I want to function properly as a Christian, I have to be in the presence of God. That's my source of love. Um, I cannot produce the true agape love without being around him or in him or walking with him. I can't produce it. There can be an afterglow. I can have some wonderful time with God and then walk out of the room and there's still some of that of God's love kind of bouncing off of me still, but eventually that fades away to nothing and then I, I don't have it anymore. I have to be in contact with him. I have to have it. He's the source. I can never produce that love without being in his presence. And, and that is the difference. Um, I can still speak in tongues without being in his presence because he wants it to happen. I can still prophesy without being in his presence because he wants it to happen. He can use me as a tool any way he wants to. God can do that. But without the love, without being in his presence, without, that, without being in, around him, I'm nothing. None of these things matter. You can tell people that haven't been in his presence before because they're not merciful and they're not forgiving. That's the key. Everything else we can pretty much do without it. We can manufacture it. We can fake it. But you can't fake mercy and you can't fake forgiveness. It doesn't work. It comes out. I thought you forgave me for that. Yeah, I did, but, well, you didn't. You know, um, it's still there. Being in his presence produces love and love covers a multitude of sins. That's, that's how it's described. And when you haven't been in his presence, you don't forgive and you can't have mercy. Um, that, that, is a, that is a direct result of being in the presence of God because that's who he is and that's what he does. And so the focus here being I. Um, we all have to do this. Love is used three times, but I is used eight. Um, so the focus is for each of us. Um, I hear that sometimes, and I think what they mean, they mean well when they say this, I love to teach. I just love teaching. That's fine, but if you don't love the people you're teaching, if you don't love the kids, it's worthless. Some people just like to teach, but spewing of knowledge is basically all it is. But they don't love the people they're teaching. In other words, you can switch that and you'll have a much better result. I can love kids and I don't like to teach, but you will. You'll do a much better job. You will reach those kids better than any pe person that loves to teach but doesn't love kids. But if you love kids, you can definitely teach. That's how God works. I don't have to worry about how I'm using the gifts or uh, the function of uh, the supernatural in my life if I'm in his presence and I'm full of his love. It happens. It works great. Always. But if I operate these gifts without being in his presence, without that love, it's a disaster every time. Verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Uh, love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's what love does. And when I have that, when I'm in his presence, um, that's who God is. God is love. God suffers long and is kind. God does not envy. God does not parade himself. God is not puffed up. God, is, God does not behave rudely. God does not seek his own, and God is not provoked. God thinks no evil. He doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That that's, can only happen from being in his presence. 
from being filled with him. I can put up with a lot of stuff. I can go a long ways. I can even practice. So I go a little further than I did last time when I was in this situation. But when it's done in my own strength like that, it always comes to an end. Always. I just waited longer before I blew up. But I still blew up in the end. I still failed in the end. But with God, it doesn't. With God, it actually works. Verse 8, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. In other words, they're going to come to an end. There will be a time when their prophecies aren't necessary. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Eventually, there won't be any need for them. Um, Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. I was challenged with that verse at Dana College, leading a Bible study. Um, That was where I went to college for two semesters and left. Um, But I was teaching a Bible study at that time. And when we came to that verse, I taught it just like it reads, right in context. What do you guys think that that which is perfect has come? Jesus. It's obvious. I was pulled aside at the end of the Bible study by my Mennonite friends that went to church or went to school there. And they said, oh, that's a good study, but that verse 10, that verse 10, what do you think that means? I said, it means Jesus. Obviously, it's right in context. It means Christ. He goes, no, 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 that means the Bible. The Bible. I would have never thought that, but that which is perfect is come. The Bible is what he means by that, huh? Yes, now that the Bible has come, prophecies have vanished away, and that was how they used that's what they use. That's the scripture they use to dismiss all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We no longer need them because now we have the scriptures. Now we have the word of God. It's replaced all the gifts of spirits. And I, went, I said, that's kind of a stretch. And I was pretty young in the Lord there. I mean, obviously, I was like, that's kind of a stretch, isn't it? He goes, no, it's not a stretch. That's just what they believed. Guys, it doesn't mean the Bible. It means Jesus. When Jesus comes back, the church has no need of the Holy Spirit moving through the people. But to say when the Bible shows up that the church has no need of the Holy Spirit moving through the body, that's ridiculous. Sorry. <laughs> we got to be careful about our... I mean, that's... It's, it, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. When is then? When that which is perfect has come. When Christ has come, we'll see him face to face. It's, I mean, it's just, to me, it's just so obvious. But they thought, now that we have the Bible, it's, we're no longer in a mirror dimly and we can see him face to face. I don't think so. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am, or just as I also am known. When Jesus comes, now I love this, despite my friends at Bible college, (laughs) when you see Jesus, when we see him, we're going to know him like he knows us. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Because of my snafu on Sunday, I sent you all an email. Many of you probably caught it and were like, I don't know if I should say something to him or not, but I I corrected myself because I was dead wrong. Thanks. Thanks, David. Help me. Berean. Um, when I go to heaven, though, when I'm with him, when I'm with Jesus face to face, I'm going to know him as well as he knows me. That's, that's going to be huge. No more classes, no more school, no more ignorance. You know, I don't want you to be ignorant. 
And when we know him, when we see him, when we're with him, when that which is perfect is calm, when we're with Christ, none of that will happen. But now, abide. For now, abide. Faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. When you put Bible in verse 10, that messes everything up, and it causes your church to just decay. You have no more Holy Spirit. You dry up then. No more gifts are in operation, so the body can't be healed, helped, or encouraged or built anymore. Um, and you no longer have faith and hope. You just have the love. You don't have any anticipation of... I mean, there's so much doctrine, they're messed up. It's, it has to be Jesus. And so I, I emphasize that because I want you to be looking for Jesus. I want you to be operating in the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to be walking in the supernatural. Um, because it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. In Ephesians chapter 4, and this is where we close, these last two verses. Ephesians chapter 4. And this is what Paul's getting at with them. He also writes it to the Ephesians, but he's getting at it here with these Corinthians. In verse 3, he says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I want you as a body to be endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I don't want you united. Please listen. I don't want you united in anything other than the Spirit. Um, I don't want you to be united by your needs. I don't want you to be united by your faults, your failings. I don't want you to be united in anything other than, the body should never be united in any, I don't want you to be united by your age, by your sex. I don't want you to be united by whether you're married or whether you're single. I don't want you to be united whether you like to surf or whether you like cars or, or a farmer or a, a rancher. I don't know if those two people can get along. I think they've learned to now. I don't want you to be united in anything other than the Spirit. The Spirit is what's supposed, and we're to endeavor. In other words, it's going to be hard, Paul says, to endeavor to keep the Spirit, the unity in the Spirit. That's going to be difficult, he says, but I want you to endeavor to do so. Because when we do so, here's the thing, this is Galatians 5.22, we have the fruit of the Spirit. When we endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit... In the bond of peace, we have the fruit of the Spirit, which is Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Honestly, it's supposed to say just love. Everything else are the attributes of that, Lord. Joy comes from love. Peace comes from love. Long-suffering comes from love. Kindness comes from love. Goodness comes from love. Faithfulness comes from love. Gentleness comes from love. Self-control comes from love. It's, it's love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The attributes of that love are joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. We, we mess it up when we draw the coloring page of all the fruits. The fruits of the Spirit are the bananas, the grapes. It's not. The fruit of the Spirit is love. We show that love through all these attributes. I'm not, I'm, we have a lot of coloring pages that have the, we have paintings in our house and all that. I'm, I'm not, I want you to understand God's importance and emphasis in God's word of chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love. We endeavor to keep the unity in the spirit. So, to tie that all together, I hope that made sense. Um, Paul is concerned with the Corinthian church because although they have grouped up based on their gifts, 
They've left love out, so they haven't kept the unity, and they therefore don't have the fruit, and therefore the world is not being affected by them. It changes everything. When I endeavor to keep the Spirit, as that's my focus, that's what we're unified in, we have then the fruit of the Spirit coming out of each of us individually, I, 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 then the we looks right, and we operate properly as a body. And that's where we close tonight. Um, I don't know if I made my point or what, hopefully I did, and what God wanted to get across tonight. Um, there was so much there as I was studying, and so many notes, I can't even hardly see the page anymore. There's so much black here, but um, as a body, I guess that's one of my concerns as a pastor is that we come together for other reasons other than the unity of the Spirit, other than love. And I don't, want, I don't want us to ever do that. I don't want us to ever come together. As you look at the Bible and you see the individuals that are brought out in the Bible, the, the, the high points, the characters in the Bible that were stellar, they were all fine by themselves. They were able to have a walk with their God by themselves, whether anybody was with them or not. I want us to be a great family, but I want us to be strong, individual Christians walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, operating the gifts of the Spirit, whether anybody ever understands or sees us operating, but we're doing that on our own. Strong, healthy. I love the Dirks. I make jokes about the Dirks family. The Dirks family is great. We're awesome. We'll beat everybody down. And I don't mean it that way. That's meant for bravado and, and to be funny. And I teach my kids at home, whether I say that out loud here or not, the Dirks are only great when we're walking with Jesus. Otherwise, we're not so great. I'm not a great husband. I'm not a great father when I'm not in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm not. My wife is not a great wife when she's not in the power and presence of the great God that saved her and filled with the Holy Spirit. My kids are not great, obedient kids when they're walking in the flesh. They're not. But when we are, we're great. But only because he's great. Does that make sense? Um, and so, what do we do? How do we do this? Be in his presence. Have your quiet times. Not for the sake of having a quiet time, because that's what Christians are supposed to do and check it off, but have a quiet time so you can be in his presence. Let his word shine on you. Let it cleanse you. Let him use it like, a, like the Spirit uses it, like a sword in your life, cutting away, removing things that need to be removed. Allow him to work with his word in your heart. Pray, seek the Lord, ask God for gifts. Ask God for opportunities then to use those gifts. And, um, and we'll look great, you know, we'll be great. But if we decide to take this Bible study and not do that, and not be strong, not on our own, not individuals, as eyes, have that walk with the Lord, we won't look great. We won't. Um, and the body of Christ gets shamed, basically. We look gimpy. <laughs> you know. So that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for myself and for my family and anybody that I love, you know, which is everybody, that we would endeavor to keep the spirit of the unity in love by the Spirit, um, and have that fruit come out of our lives, that love, and that he would manifest himself however he wants to, and those will be the gifts that show God's love to those around us. 
All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Um, We thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul's heart for these folks. They had divided up and had somehow or another turned what was supposed to be beautiful into something that was carnal. Your gifts to the Holy Spirit um, had turned into something that was devoid of your love um, and was ugly, and it was noticeable. And so he wrote this letter to them to change all that. For them to still use all the gifts of the Spirit, don't throw them out, but to do them in love. And um, that comes from endeavoring to keep the, the unity of the Spirit. So God, I pray individually for myself that um, you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, baptize me with your Holy Spirit, and would you give me all the gifts um, that you think I need. I don't know what the best gifts are for me. I don't know what I'm going to need each and every moment. Uh, but I pray that, and I trust that your Holy Spirit will give me what I need when I need it and help me to have enough faith to actually use it, to operate in those gifts. And I pray that for all of us, Lord, for each person here, that you would fill each and every person with your Holy Spirit, um, baptize them with your Holy Spirit, give them the gifts necessary for each and every moment that they might be able to walk in the Spirit. And when we do all this, Lord, we will be unified because we're in your presence, we're full of your love, we're baptized with your spirit, and that's what we come together for. Um, So I thank you for that. Lord, we have a good fellowship here. You've built us. You've brought us all here from many different places for a reason. And uh, I thank you for that. I pray that we'd be a healthy, functioning, coordinated, non-gimpy body, Lord, Um, or at least a part of your body in this world. Thank you, Lord, for this time as we are going to have lots of opportunities to talk about you, Jesus. Um, Everybody's thinking about you right now. Um, This Christmas time is an open door for us in many people's hearts. Um, There's a lot of sadness and depression, and that comes from being in the presence of the light, Um, being around you. During this time when you are magnified and lifted up, it's hard not to feel the darkness of your sin. And so people are feeling that right now. And I pray that you give us opportunities then to step in and um, use whatever gifts you give us, um, operated in love, to change people's lives, God, that people would get saved, um, people would come to know you, that we would actually lead people to Christ in the aisles while we're shopping, that we would lead people to Christ wherever we go, whether that's at family dinners or what, that we would have those moments and uh, be able to lead people to you, that they might first celebrate a Christmas where you're the focus and you're the center. They're actually celebrating the birth of their Savior, um, like we do. Um, So, Lord, we pray for those opportunities this, this coming weeks, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.